Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking at dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. But I was asking the Lord, I was like, Lord, I know you're doing something new. And he's been preparing us for this for years and years. And I don't, it, many people are saying the same message right now. But you know, in the book of Ephesians, it says there's a fivefold ministry. And then it says, until, until everyone comes to the full knowledge of Christ, which means there's a time of coming to that. There's a time in the church, the until time where everyone's going to flow with the Holy Spirit and God's going to have his bride. And so I believe that God wants us to begin to be those people saying, I want to be part of that until. I want to be part of being full of the Holy Spirit, knowing God, being in love with God, believing God, trusting God, walking with God, having every part of my life reveal Jesus Christ. And so I told the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, as you're beginning to restore an apostolic church, what's an apostolic church? What's a true apostolic church? It's a church that does the works that Jesus did. It's a church that reveals who they are by their power and their love. They have both. They have the power of God working. And Jesus over and over says, you should know who I am by the miracles that I do. Well, then he put his spirit in us, the same spirit that did those miracles he put inside of believers. And under some of the wrong doctrine today, people think it's only for the leaders but it's not. It's for believers. And so under wrong doctrine, people just look to leaders all the time. And then in their own lives, <clears throat> they're pretty powerless. And they blame it on this lie. Well, it's because I'm not um, an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Instead of seeing who you are, who are you? You should be a son or daughter of God. You should have every single thing it takes to overcome the evil one. Everything it takes, you should have to overcome the evil one. And with wrong doctrine, people are looking for somebody else to overcome the evil one for them. Right? And, and that's just not what Jesus died and paid for. He, he rent that veil. He, he took away that old covenant need of going to the priest. He took the high priest. He took it away. And instead, in its place, he put in the fivefold ministry, which has a purpose to connect you to the headship of Jesus Christ, not become in any way, shape, or form your headship. And so God has been working this in my life for years and years and years. And, um, and so he's like, I want you to begin to teach. So I asked the Lord, I said, well, how do I know what's up and coming? What's it to look like? How am I supposed to know what it is that you're asking us as a church and us as a ministry, what is it you want us to do? How do I know what an apostle looks like? And an apostle would mean apostolic people, okay? Every move of God should come the people who've been poured into who now walk in that same kind of authority, not 
to hold up a five-fold ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when God restored the pastors, everyone was supposed to begin to have a pastor's heart. What's that? A heart to minister to people. The father's a heart to minister to their children and their wife. A wife's heart to make sure her sons and daughters are, are really uh, raised up in the things of God. Um, and school teachers to know that I have a pastor's heart to see these kids learn, but also know about God. It, so the whole idea of, of God restoring the pastor with, he did with Martin Luther out of the covering doctrine, um, when God began to restore the church, remember Jesus says he, he came to make all things new and there's a restoration. So when the true pastor, and we call everybody pastors now because that was the first thing restored, but a lot of them aren't pastors that oversee churches aren't pastors. A pastor is one who has a heart individually. They love a very small group ministry. They love uh, calling everybody, going to hospitals, checking up on everyone. They're not told they have to do it. They have this heart for the individual. Um, I would say uh, probably our, like, um, if, I, if I'm thinking around here, I think Sarah has a pastor's heart. I think she has a real heart for those kids in that room that come in there and, and wants to really help them we're, we're believing for God to bring us pastors for every area of what he wants to do in this church. But her vision should be, I want them to know Jesus. I want them to know. I want them to be able to be almost a pastor to their friends in school, someone who can share the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is how God really did this thing. And so then he restored, after that, he restored the evangelist. They have to go and now make a believers. So an evangelist goes out, and Jesus has a really strong example of him being an evangelist. So, um, and you can really see Jesus being a pastor, right, to his 12, to those who were close to him, to the three. He poured in and poured in and cared about their situations. And then we see Jesus. So let's just start this, and then we'll go into worship. Um, I thought I was going to start with something else, but let me just start this at, at evangelist, because that's what you all need to be. Okay, you all need to be evangelist, and not the fivefold evangelist. Because remember, the fivefold are the ones who are called by God, trained by God, and brought up by God to then impart to everyone else the gift of evangelism. How do I go out and share the gospel? So I was asking the Lord to teach me this stuff and show me this stuff, and He took me to um, yeah John four, and this is where He started teaching me these things. And I'm in the Passion Translation. So let's just start in John 4, 5. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village near the field of Jacob that Jacob had given his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. So soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. Now, you're going to see when we get to John 5 that Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. And that is really the apostolic. The apostolic is moving in such a place that if God isn't doing it, you're not doing it. If God isn't saying it, you're not saying it. If God isn't praying it, you're not praying it. And that's where we all want to get to. We want to all get to a place where I'm doing whatever God says, no matter what other people think about it. We're going to look at that maybe next time. 
But let's look at this evangelism since that came up. Because we need evangelists in here. We need you to begin to invite people. We need you to begin to tell people about the gospel. Tell people about Jesus Christ. The kids in school need to do this. We need to break free from the lie that we're not essential. We need to break free from the lie that we don't have anything to share. Okay? So here's Jesus. He's, he's wearied by his long journey because he was in flesh. And he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples to go buy food. It was already afternoon. And then a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? And so there was a real strong racist issue between the Jews and the Samaritan because the Samaritan were mixed people. Okay, they weren't pure Jewish. They were mixed. And so because of that, the Jews would not consider them as real Jewish people. Yet they considered themselves still as, as Jewish. Okay? Can we relate to that one in the U.S. of A., right? And so, so, they, he, so there's this racism that's really strong in the Jewish culture and the Samaritan culture, and the Samaritans were looked down on because they weren't pure Jews, okay? And so she's like, wait a minute, what are you doing talking to me? You know, your type doesn't even talk to my type. And so let's see what Jesus does with that. Jesus said, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, then you'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. It's kind of cool what he says there. He doesn't get into the conversation about racism. He doesn't get into her conversation about how unfair it is and how unfair it is how the Jews treat the Samaritans. She, he doesn't go there. Isn't that cool? So we, we're seeing, how can we do that? Because he's doing what the Father shows him. Now, we'll see him rebuke a Pharisee in five seconds, right? We're not going to get there yet. So it's not like he's not trying to confront something. He's not being drawn into something that is divisive, okay, between people. Boy, if we could all learn that, we, we will do really good in this nation as God's going to begin to really shake things, as he already has, all right? So when we see Jesus... <laughs> producing an evangelist and evangelizing. He is listening to the Father. He's not getting off course from what his mission is. What's his mission here? I want this woman to know the truth about who he is. He wants this woman to know that he is the Messiah, that he has come to save Samaritans and Jews. Now remember, it's kind of amazing. This is really good. I'm just getting this one. I'm preaching this. She, the Jewish people, didn't consider her Jewish. And Jesus only came to the Jews, and he came to her. So he had no way, shape, or form agreement with because there was mixture in the Samaritan bloodline that she wasn't Jewish. Just showing that because I just got it. And so he is going after her as a Jew. And, and I, I really think this would be good for us in America we need to quit not seeing everyone who is in America, who has an American citizenship. We need to quit distinguishing between who is uh, from what background. Do you get what I'm saying? So when we go out, I'm not going out to preach to African-Americans or, 
You know, you don't ever hear them say European Americans, or pretty soon they're going to be saying, um, you know, from all these people who got in through immigration. And the Lord, He doesn't get in that. He doesn't get into that divisiveness. Do you get that? He doesn't. He He knew um, that they had Jewish, true Jewish blood in them, and that's what made a Jew. So He's sharing this. Now, remember, he came for everybody later, but his first calling was to the Jews. But when we look at how he handles this, he did not get into the divisive things the enemy did to divide people. And it might be really good for us to learn that. And it might be really good for us to know when we go somewhere. Now, he didn't, he didn't dispute her. But you're going to hear in a minute how he shows her that she needs to come into a greater revelation Really, what it was like, what it's like to be Jewish. But anyway, so he says, so she says, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replies, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. And I just want us to see this as we evangelize, even in your family. So, what does evangelism mean? I'm going to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to get into divisive conversation with you. I'm not going to get into divisive conversation with you. So get the spirit of divisiveness out of your heart. Get contention out of your heart. Get having to be right out of your heart. Really go back and listen to some of those teachings. Because to really evangelize, you have to see from God's perspective. He wants all to be saved. Okay? So the woman replies, Sir, you don't even have a bucket, and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Now, how many know Jesus is talking on a very spiritual level? And she's looking at it, scratching her head like, what are you talking about? Okay, this is really powerful. Because if you stop and think about it, Jesus did not <laughs> pretend not to be spiritual. Jesus did not hide who he is. He did not hide speaking in spiritual terminology. Because that was what we want to call authentic to him. So I'm not going to dummy down who I am in Christ, okay? I'm not going to walk in a way, I'm not going to walk in such a way that I have to pretend that I don't walk with God and I don't know God and I don't hear God. I'm not going to do that. Jesus didn't do that, did he? Okay, so you think you're Jew Jesus. No, I think I am the daughter of the Most High God and Holy Spirit lives in me, the same exact Holy Spirit that Jesus obeyed. See, when we look at Jesus in the scripture, you need to recognize he's revealing to you what your life should look like. What your life should look like. Not as a five-fold leader, as a believer in Jesus Christ. Because why? Because Holy Spirit lives in you. Holy Spirit lives in you. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus knew who he was. And he knew what he was called to do. And he wouldn't get sidetracked with contention and division and getting into arguments and all that thing. Although you'll see when we keep the study going, he had no trouble tearing over the, the, turning over the, the tables where people were abusing God's house. So I'm not going to reveal this in just one way people want to see Jesus. All right? I want to see him as he was on the earth. He says, when you see me, you've seen the father. So everything about the father's personality that you need to know, you're going to find in Jesus. And when people make up something different than that, then they're going against scripture. Because Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. 
So if you want to know what the Father's like, go really look at what Jesus is like and see the entirety of his personality, not just the parts you like or not just the parts that maybe you have more naturally. So here he is. So the woman goes on. Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? Now, Jesus didn't get into a comparing himself to Jacob. He didn't get off track by trying to boast about who he is. And this, it's amazing, really. Now, I'm not saying we see all the conversation here because he tells the woman everything about her life and we don't see that here. But we're kind of getting what he wanted us to see about the conversation. I think it's really important when we look at scripture, we realize the Bible says that if every single thing Jesus said and did would actually, there's not room to contain it. The volumes would be so large. In other words, the disciples are like, there's no way we can even begin to write down and remember and record all we learned in those three and a half years about Jesus. So you got to realize, but his Holy Spirit chose what to have them to write to give us what we need. And the Father will give us revelation about the other parts, but at the same time, it has to line up with what he wanted to reveal in his word. Does everybody get that? Jesus says, now he's showing a difference without saying really who he is. If you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. How many want to have some of this living water? Okay, so this is a place to go deeper in your own time with God and say, wow, I, I want that living water. I want to know you in such a way, God, that I'm never thirsty again. See, the only way you can be, you want to be, all who are thirsty come, the Bible says. So it's not about not being thirsty. It's about not being able to get your thirst satisfied. There's a big difference in that. If you're in a nation where there is no water, then when you get thirsty, it's super serious, isn't it? Because you really, what do you do? You have to make sure, like even when we go to a nation to, uh, for missions and we know we have limited water, especially like sometimes when we first get there and nobody's gone to buy the bottled water yet. And so we have one little itsy bitsy bit of water left. And we're, we're all like, oh my gosh, I better just drink a little sip of this. I better just barely brush my teeth because where we go, sometimes you have to even use bottled water to brush your teeth. And those are really bad couple of day or so until somebody can get out and get us bottled water. Because some places we've been, it's not available. You just don't run down to the store and get it. You have to really know ahead of time. Now we try to send money ahead of time and make sure they have bottled water. But a lot of times they don't bring it to us right away. And so there's a big difference between being really thirsty again and afraid to drink it all. Because why? Because we know we can't get some, we're not sure when we're going to get some again. So when Jesus talks about living water where you'll never be thirsty again, he's really saying no matter what, you can keep drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. This never runs dry. This never goes away. If you want to have living water, if you want the very word of God to wash over you, to change you, to set you free, to heal you, to bring you answers, to, to give you a deeper relationship with God. If you want to continually, 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 continually go after God and get to know him more and more, he has given you living water. So you can never say, oh, it's run dry. And when somebody say, oh, God's, it's gotten so dry in the church. Well, it might got dry in your church. It's never, has anybody noticed that it didn't get dry in this church? 
Why? Because I drink from living water. I mean, I can't, seriously, I'm not boasting. I'm telling you how this works. I cannot open this word without having living water give me so much revelation. What I just taught you is not what he gave me the other night when I saw this. He's giving me more as I'm speaking. That's living water. That's living water. He's like, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. Wow, think about this, see this, know this. So you don't need any other books. Now, if you want to read a book that God has somebody writing that's anointed and uses the scriptures, then praise God. But if you're running after a different religion or a different prophet like they do in, in um, Mormonism or whatever, no, no, you're, you're not getting living water. This never runs out. So when some cult leader comes and groups tells you, well, you know, that's just one of the books and this is deeper. No, it can't get any deeper than this word. Nothing gets deeper than this word. It's living water. It's deep, deep well, and it never runs out. He wants us to know that it never runs out. If you're bored with his word, it's because you're only reading the surface and you're not getting living water. You're just getting hid knowledge. But when you want living water, you're like, Lord, I want you to teach me, Holy Spirit. I want you to make this real to me. Make this so real to me. Boy, if you just pray that, it's amazing. And you'll never get bored if you would just stay off some of the entertainment things and get more hungry for God and thirsty for God. There's so much there. And quit thinking you can't receive anything. That's a lie. If you're born again and you want truth, he'll give you truth. Now, if he gives you truth and you don't want to deal with the issue, then don't think he's going to keep giving you truth when he wants you to deal with an issue. Because he wants you to deal with an issue because he loves you and he cares about you and he knows this is important to get this out of the way. So you don't go off into a religious spirit or some kind of counterfeit, okay? Because you could try to read this just to say what you want. And then all of a sudden, it's not bringing life to you. All of a sudden, it's a getting you, you're purposely going into delusion and using God's word to do it. And there's a lot of people who have done that. It's very sad. He says, if anyone, how many of you aren't anyone, you're not anyone, if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. Why? Because it keeps on and on and on. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. So when you really drink of his word and you really seek him in all of this, what he's basically saying here is my word is going to gush forth a revelation of the Holy Spirit. My word, when it's a living word, not hidden knowledge, a living word, all of a sudden you're going to know Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, you're going to start asking him questions. All of a sudden, you're going to let him, you're going to watch him answer you. All of a sudden, he's going to introduce um, you to Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit will introduce you to Jesus Christ. Eventually, Jesus Christ will introduce you to the Father in a powerful way. But I want to know Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, teach me from your word. That's, that's asking for the living word, right? If I'm going and I'm saying, teach me from your word, about Jesus. And that's what, when I asked the Lord, I said, you know, Lord, I want to know, how do I know what a true apostle is going to look like? I, I see what the formula for apostles are. I, I'm thankful for the wineskin God used to bring forth a movement that really believes in the apostolic and move in some power and authority. But I want to know what is coming next. What is it that he wants to do next in my life? What is it that goes 
stronger than this for God's glory. And that's when the Lord told me, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit. When I say Lord, it could be any of God, right? It's who I'm talking to. I, you, talk, you always talk to the Holy Spirit, just so you know that. Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, okay? But because they're one, he's cool with you knowing he's revealing Jesus and you're talking to Jesus, okay? And Jesus reveals the Father. So as you really mature in all this, all of a sudden you'll have revelation about the Father. But they're okay because they're one to call them God or to call them Lord, all right? But, but there is the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is who had to be poured out on Pentecost, who Jesus had to go back to heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He says, it's best that I go that I send you the Holy Spirit. Why? Why is that better? Because Jesus, when he was on the planet um, walking in his flesh, he could only be one place at one time. Holy Spirit can be in every single believer at the same time. Isn't that exciting? So you don't have to go to church to see somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what church should be is you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You've had so much exciting news come from God this week. You've gotten the living water that you walk through the door and you can't wait until if Holy Spirit tells you, go share what I showed you, go share what I did this week, go share who I am, go tell everybody. That's what real church is going to look like before his return. We've had taste of that here, just barely taste of it. And then almost all the people who used to operate in that, a lot of them got us in other places. I mean, you know, uh, Rose is in the Philippines where she used to come up and hold the mic and different ones. And it's like, but that's not like, oh, no. That's like, oh, it's your turn. It's your turn to hear Holy Spirit. It's your turn to be bold enough to come up and pray. It's your turn to not have to wait for me to call you to come up. God's doing this. He's like, you, you have Holy Spirit in you. You can do this. Even the young people, you can do this. It's a matter about being obedient and saying, okay. You say, well, what if I look like a fool? Well, who cares? Actually, the more spiritual you are, the world says you're, you want to get to a place where I'd rather obey than miss God, even if I'm not sure what's going to happen. Okay. And that's where God's bringing everything to you. All right. So he says, um, so she goes on and she compares them to her past thinking. Are you better than Jacob? What would people might say today? So do you think you're like Billy Graham or Benny Hinn or, you know, who do you think you are? And Jesus doesn't enter into that conversation. So let's say this. Let's not enter into that conversation. Let's not compare ourselves with others. Let's praise God for every single thing he's done and is doing and everything he's doing in your life and my life. We're not competing. And let's just be excited for whatever God is doing. And let's not enter into these conversations. I think this is, I wasn't planning on preaching it this way. How many know that's normal around here? Jesus really wants everybody to get this. Quit entering into those conversations of comparisons. And, and I'm, just, Lord, set me free from comparing myself to others. Set me free from insecurity. Set me free from trying to prove anything. Just let us glorify you. Get me to a place where I only say what the Father wants me to say. And I only do what the Father wants me to do. And how many know that we all see all the flesh in process in each of our lives as we're walking through this? And how many know that's okay? 
it's okay as long as we recognize when he says, let's change this, we're like, okay. I can't imagine anybody here who hasn't at one time or another gone and, and said to God, gosh, I wish I hadn't said that, or why did I act like that? Does anybody know what I'm saying? Okay, that's Holy Spirit just convicting you, saying, well, let's go deal with that. Let's go deal with that. Don't blame anybody else. There's no condemnation in Christ. Let's just see why did you react like that. And we quit being each other's judges and instead become on the same team and begin to realize, okay, they're just growing in Christ. We're just all growing in Christ. How many know Jesus didn't have to grow into Christ? Because he was Christ. He didn't have any sin issues, okay? And, and, but he reveals to us what it looks like to have Holy Spirit in us and be completely sold out. All right. So he says, if anyone, he says, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if you drink the living water I give, if you drink the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and they'll be forever satisfied. Right there is a really good question that you, if you're hungry, should take to God on your own time. Lord, I want the living water. Get alone by yourself. Close your door. Put on worship music if you want, whatever. Some of you like it quiet when you talk to God. And just say, and, and I will say this, you can talk to God in your head. You cannot do spiritual warfare in your head. The enemy and angels cannot hear your thoughts. Do you get the difference? God can, but when you do spiritual warfare, you're not releasing God, people. You're releasing angels. You're releasing his word. That all has to come out of your mouth, okay? But when you're talking to God, you can talk to him without speaking out loud, okay? And then listen, because in your spirit, he'll talk back to you. Or most of the time, he'll talk back to you in the word. If you ever hear the Lord tell you something that you're not sure is in the word, you need to ask him to show you where it is. You need to take the time to look up scriptures and find where it is, okay? So you don't go into deception. All right. So he goes on and he says, um, for when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. There's a lot of really good prayer requests in here. Lord, I want that kind of relationship with Holy Spirit. Lord, I want that kind of life. I want it to be overflowing. And that's the place where you ask God to forgive you if you ever judge somebody who you thought was too spiritual or you ever judge somebody who was seeking God when you weren't seeking God and you started judging all this. And you need to just say, you know what? That season's over. I'm going after everything the Word of God promises me. The woman replies, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. Now, this is pretty amazing because he's talking to a woman who's not catching the spiritual. Like, she doesn't understand it, but she wants it. Okay, so don't think that you can't, as an evangelist, when you go to evangelize, and I'm not saying evangelist, I'm not talking about fivefold ministry. I'm talking about everything God has restored is for all his people. Okay, everything he's restored is for all his people because he's, he's got headship. He's the only headship, and Holy Spirit is, is the same Holy Spirit. He can operate every gift through anybody he wants, whenever he wants, and he has given grace to the fivefold ministry to make you understand that, get hungry for that, and want it for yourself, not to give yourself to trying to only ser to serve people instead of God. The new wineskin is 
God's going to have leaders who truly want to serve you as you get connected to the headship of Christ and as you go to serve others and as you mature. That's what is coming big time uh, really quickly. All right. So here's this woman's reply. So Jesus did not dummy down who he was in his message. He didn't mind that this woman would have to spend some time especially when the Holy Spirit was poured out to find out what he was talking about. And personally, I know many times when I'm sharing, especially on planes or something, and I'm sharing with people I hardly know, or when I go to the Philippines and things like that, where they haven't heard this kind of teaching, I don't go over the basics over and over and over because that's not who I am. Now there are people, that's their calling. They always teach the basics and praise God for it. But I go and God uses me to make people hungry for something really powerful and spiritual, right? And so that's who I'm going to be when I witness. I'm not going to go and pretend I'm somebody else. Now, you can't pretend to be me and you're not supposed to. You need to be who you really are. That's really the message that's coming out right now. I listened to um, some things on YouTube this morning and that song by... Uh, the guy, his real name's Chris, but it's, he uses the name Oliver something, Oliver Anthony. And there's cussing in that song. I had to get past the religious spirit to handle that. And, um, and, and they were, it's amazing. He is the first person ever to hit the billboard charts. People have hit other charts. He's the first one to be number one on the billboard charts. Again, above every professional singer with all the money and marketing. And everybody's like amazed. How could he do this? And it wasn't because he's extremely talented. It wasn't because he's the best songwriter anyone's ever heard. Or even you necessarily like his voice. It really is a prophetic sign that people are tired of fake and people are tired of fake in the church and people are tired of you being fake and people are tired of fake. God is stirring the people who are hungering for real. And so it's a prophetic sign of the times when all of a sudden they, we are no longer caring about fake Hollywood and it's being exposed. We're no longer caring about fake politicians. It's all being exposed. All of a sudden, there's a supernatural move of God in the earth that's causing people to get hungry for what's real. Now, if you go to, uh, like, even, you know, at the speech and writing thing I went to and all this, they want to train you how to do it in a way that's been successful. Same if you go to a seminary and any kind of, they want to train you to do it the way it's successful. And I've never been good with that because God has always told me, just be you. No matter how much people don't like that or want to be go say you're goofy, your vocabulary is not that well or how you, it doesn't matter. God has raised me up and others and you guys for a season of what's real. Now, for some people, real is a really great vocabulary. For some people, real really is dressing really fancy and nice. Okay, he's not asking us to all now try to look like this uh, country bumpkin singing, you know, his heart out in the middle of a field. And before, everybody would go and try to imitate that. Now, all of a sudden, all of, everybody would go and try to, and God's like, no. And when they offered this guy millions of dollars to sell out to marketing, he said, no. That's a prophetic sign. 
That would be pretty hard. He's still trying to figure out how to pay off his, his land and his mobile on his uh, camper that at the time he owed 60000 on. And let's be real. Wow, that's amazing that you could get offered millions of dollars signed here and we'll give you millions of dollars. And he says, no. And I just pray for myself and I pray for anyone else God uh, raises up at this hour that will have the ability and the gift to say no. Now, and I'm just talking about me because I know me. I know I've been asked to join quite a few different coverings. And I know if I had, they would help this church. And they would have made it more reputable. And I remember standing in line at Rick Joyner's Morning Star. And I, and I love Rick Joyner and their church. And I love what God's doing in that whole wineskin. When I say wineskin, it's what God did before. And I was standing in line to sign up for that covering because I was so tired of people coming against me, coming against the church. You better not go there. Watch out. They don't have covering, blah, 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 blah. And I had already studied it. God already showed me a lot about covering. He showed me why not to be a part of it. And, um, and he's always taking care of me. But I was standing in line to join because I thought, well, this, I agree with what he preaches. I agree with what he teaches. I don't mind submitting beauty for ashes to this. I'm standing in line and the Holy Spirit says to me, if you go up and sign up for this, I'm taking away your calling. And I just got done hearing for that wineskin. When I say that, I'm not against what people did before because God always has a before than he has a next. And I'm, sitting, I'm thinking, but Lord, they'll help with this. They'll come with this. They'll send us speakers, you know, and I agree. I agree with, with what this person preaches, really almost all of it, if not all of it, except for covering. And I knew in my heart, I couldn't join it. And I remember being sad walking away because I thought, Lord, if I would just join that, then our church would grow. The ministry would grow. The, it, people wouldn't be scared of us so much. I'm okay with submitting. And God said, no. And I know he said no. And I'm without question knowing why he said no. And he gave me signs and wonders why he said no. And he brought healing to our son from what looked like some kind of covering over his bones that wouldn't let the blood out years ago. And that's the first time God ever showed me about covering. It was years ago. And nobody knew what to do for our son for this stuff on his bones. And the Holy Spirit came. I can only tell you a couple of times where it was straight out Holy Spirit um, in a powerful way. I knew it wasn't the Lord. I knew it wasn't the Father. The Holy Spirit came. This may be the first time ever the Holy Spirit came to me, except when I was young. And he said, I'm going to show you something. And if you receive this and do what I'm showing you, I'm going to begin the healing of your son. And I said to God, well, you have to show me in your word because I don't want to be deceived. I said, you have to show me in your word. So he told me to go look up the word covering. We had just gotten the news from the medical people that there was some kind of covering over his bones. Did he ever have leukemia? Was he ever, test, you know, there was just some really strange thing over his bones. And there was nothing. We, there was nothing. He's never had chemo. He's never been any kind of medical things, nothing. And the Lord said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, look up the word covering. And I looked it up and it talked about covering was um, basically the only place the word coverings used in scripture had to do with Satan as a covering serpent. In other words, Satan is, the, Satan is in charge of covering. 
and how it does a web of deception. And if you look at a web, you don't see it, but you fly into it, and slowly you die, and then you slowly get eaten. And so the Lord showed me that. I said, okay, I see that. And the Lord began to take me. He had me study all of history from, from the Dark Ages, church history, through Catholicism, through him restoring the church. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.